0: Thank you so much for listening to Honestly Unorthodox. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, but just don't know where to start, have no fear. Pretty Easy Podcast is here to get your podcast off the ground and sounding great at an extremely affordable rate. Pretty Easy Podcast helps new and seasoned podcasters by providing production, editing, and podcast management assistance. With pretty easy podcasts, you can focus on your show's content while having a reliable tag team partner handle any and all of the technical aspects of podcasting to help your show sound great. As someone who clearly loves to hear themselves speak, I am completely uninterested in learning all of the mechanics of the technicalities of podcasting, the editing, and even the uploading of certain digital material that's needed to make this podcast sound as great as it does. And Pretty Easy Podcast has taken care of all of that for me, and they continue to indulge my love for getting all of this information out to you without any stress and any concern. You can go to prettyeasypodcast.com and get started today. Working with Alan and Melissa really has helped me avoid these roadblocks that so many podcasters run into with the recording, the editing, the feed management. Whether you're new to it or you already have a show, going to prettyeasypodcast.com really makes podcasting just that, pretty easy. And now, let's get to the show. He who fights monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. I am on the unfettered pursuit of truth. I'm Kayla Perry, and this is Honestly Unorthodox. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I have with me a, probably everyone's favorite guest, one of my favorite people in the world, Meryl. He returns for a, gosh, 10th appearance, however many times you've been on.
1: I I think technically it's four, but at some point you owe me a jacket if it's like (laughs) Saturday night.
0: Yeah, yeah. we We need an honestly unorthodox letter jacket. To really ring in the uh, the the guest yeah, hall of you know,
1: fame, yeah, returning guests that you know have done it for a while, you know, like Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I really need it.
0: How how have you been, Meryl?
1: Have been have been well. Been busy um, talking about all kinds of things, including I just did one for a CoFAB on trauma informed or trauma misinformed. Ooh. Where I quoted our now, our now new mutual buddy, George Bonanno. Man, um, George. Without him knowing I quoted him, but probably a lot of people quote him. But the good thing is I didn't misquote him. I was very careful. So
0: Good, yeah. good. So you, what you're saying is that you did not cause trauma to anybody that was listening.
1: I, d- I do not. I will not verify that <laughs> yet.
0: Um, I'm sure but, you'll get an email about it. <laughs>
1: uh, it, it was Yeah. Uh, George would use the phrase Potentially. Potentially.
0: I miss that Seriously. word. The P, the big P yeah. word.
1: Well, the, the P word. Yeah, it's important. Um, <laughs>
0: Speaking of potentially traumatizing, Meryl, today's yeah. topic could be potentially traumatizing, at least if you were injured in the incident of a mass shooting, or you were, or you witnessed a mass shooting, or, you know, as George mentioned, if you knew someone, I don't, I'm still kind of on the fence about if you could be, Secondhand traumatized in that way, but
1: yeah, the way they list them in the DSM, I don't think they meant to do it this way. But if you look at it logically, each thing they list of the ways you could develop PTSD, each one is less likely than the previous as you yes. as you go down from experiencing <laughs> it yourself. Everyone mm-hmm. beneath that is like lower and lower um, probability. But yeah, like yeah. So I think it's it's something that that the um, shootings. Uh, what people are call call mass shootings, which we'll get into why that might not be the best thing to call them, um, that uh, they have some characteristics of terrorism, and that is psychologically it makes people afraid to go out.
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it's, that's that's what terrorism is at it, at its heart, and that's what hate crimes are at their heart. Is that normally to be safe, you have to simply abide by the law and not do anything. To other people, that would cause retribution, right? And so, if you live within the law, most of us feel safe. But the thing about terrorism is, is that it doesn't matter if you live within the law, because right. it's 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 when it happens like that, it's not necessarily what you did. What you did is unimportant, and that's that's what's so terrifying to people is that I'm a, I haven't done anything bad to anyone, and somebody might come shoot me. Why would they want to come shoot me? And this is a little bit terrifying for people, the thought that even though you're a nice person and you don't bother anyone, that this will come and be visited upon you. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. And there, there, it seems like there aren't many proactive measures people can take either because of the unexpected nature of- Right.
1: And this is even what the FBI says, you know, the FBI says and all the information that they have on their website, and I haven't gone through all of it yet, but there's a lot of great information for the public. It was, it was made to be consumed by the public so they can understand the problem better. But I seriously doubt people access it, you know, like maybe yeah. governmental agencies or places that have to put a plan in place for shooters, they would be more likely to access the information, but it's great information. And most people probably, um, um, don't, um, you know, uh, access it. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah. So one of the, the, um, I originally talked about this as school shootings because it was happening mm-hmm. a lot, but these, these things are, are very much related. And I guess probably the first thing we should maybe talk about is what's a mass shooting and what's an active shooter. Cause I just learned this this week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most people just use the phrase and in the media, they use the phrase mass shooting, right? A mass shooting by most of the places that most of the places seem to use this definition and the FBI recognizes it as well. A mass shooting involves three or the killing of mm-hmm. three or more people. I, and I think it it's not injury. I'm pretty sure it's killing, but at least three uh, would be a mass killing. Now, mass killing is a subset of active shooter. Active shooter is really what everyone is afraid of. It's an active shooter, and I'll get into that a little bit. But like a mass shooting, as an example, which is a subset of active shooter, that is one of the considerations for the FBI as to whether to qualify something, someone as an active shooter is, was there also mass shooting? So if there's, you know, if if they only shot one person and didn't try to shoot another person, they wouldn't qualify it as that. Um Got however, it. okay, there can be mass shootings that are not active shooters. And one of the things they exclude as an example is gang-related violence. So right. in, a, in a drive-by, maybe five people are killed. That mm. would be a mass shooting. Wouldn't be an active shooter. If you look at graphs that depict mass shooting and you look at the same graph, I did it for just one year, like 2021, but it's probably similar for the other years because the definitions still hold. If you look at mass shootings, you might see some numbers like 600 in a year. All right. For 20, but, but for, um, for active shooters, it's far less than that. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's almost like a factor of 10. So uh, active, shooters. yeah, it's much smaller. So uh, there were like um, I think it was twenty twenty two that there were like sixty active shooters. Now there was like three hundred mass shootings,
0: yeah, or
1: four hundred mass shootings, not four hundred active shooter incidents. So someone going to a school and shooting up, trying to shoot up the whole school active shooter Um, gang violence Mm -hmm. domestic violence occurring in the context of another crime and there are three or more killings, mass shooting so what it means is by the definition they're using mass shootings, most people think, I I believe because this is what I thought so I'm just going to take a guess I don't know this, I think that most people believe that the mass shootings are being reported are all active shooters, they're not
0: yeah, I was gonna say because with gang violence, especially in certain parts of the of America, specifically like L.A. and Chicago, I am, there are ridiculous amounts of gang violence and deaths due to gang violence but that yeah. would be considered oh, a yeah. mass shooting. Um, no. But that doesn't feel that doesn't feel like a terrorist attack in the same way right. that a school shooting does. And, to and
1: the thing is that even though with the active shooters, I looked at one of the they're kind of like precursor behaviors. Um, but I looked at a summary of like 60 random cases they chose over like a 10 year period or something. Um, and they, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say about that. Cause I'm thinking of the, uh, like, uh, the, the table of that, um, that they, they show just to give people an idea of how dangerous it actually is and the likelihood of, you know, death or something, just to put the numbers in perspective for, for 2021, Okay, where there were sixty active shooter incidents, there were about two hundred and fifty casualties. Casualties include fatalities and injured and wounded. The fatalities from active shooters for twenty twenty one was one hundred people in America. In America, those were the those were the number of fatalities. One hundred Americans. Okay. From active shooter scenarios in 2021. In that same time, I was just reading this, I, I sent you this earlier, right? Just to give people a little perspective 250,000 Americans die each year due to preventable medical errors, making it the third leading cause of death. So, from a statistical point of view, uh, even though these things are very scary, the the active shooter scenarios, from a statistical point of view, you should be more fearful of your physician than <laughs> going to a shopping mall. No, I, I, I am 100% serious because if yeah. you look at the number, that those are where the real risks of dying are, the big risks. It's just that as small as this risk is, mm-hmm. 250,000 deaths from medical errors is not terrifying to people. It should be, but it isn't. Because people are like, well, I'm I'm educated and I'll, I'll ask questions right. to my daughter. That wouldn't happen to me. It very well could happen to you, any of us.
0: Yeah. It's and easier so- to write off as an accident too, whereas the, the uh, shooting seems very intentional and kind of evil, whereas, you know.
1: Right. But, you know, when you're looking at what is safe and what is less safe and mm-hmm. what actually action- my chances of living uh yeah. it's going into a hospital uh you know in, in some respects um uh yeah but um it doesn't make it any less terrifying of course you know yeah. putting it into perspective doesn't make people go oh, well then I'm cool with it but here's the thing psychologically just for a moment you know it, it's like um it's in the it's about 10,000 people die mm-hmm. every year from um gun violence about about 10,000. Uh, uh, people aren't as freaked out about that because it's, it's what I would call, I put it in categories of, of what I would call like, um, there's all kinds of killing. There's all mm-hmm. kinds of killing. Killing is the base level, right? But in our society, based on if you're cool with it or not, we have all kinds of different words for killing. It's all killing though, okay? Mm-hmm. Even if you're killing wheat. They don't call it killing. They call it harvesting. They're <laughs> killing. Okay. It was alive. You killed it. Okay. Uh, that's the way it goes. Cows are not murdered, they're slaughtered, but you yeah. kill them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, capital punishment isn't murder, but you kill them. Okay. Right. Murder is a legal term.
0: Mm-hmm. right
1: it's a legal term for a special kind of killing but capital punishment is a special kind of killing and uh uh casualties of war is a special kind of killing and collateral damage is a special kind of killing and euthanasia is a special kind of killing and insecticide is a special kind of killing and the point <laughs> is uh hunting you're killing right. fishing and- in most cases, when you're fishing, you're killing, except for catch and release. But the point being, as a society, we make different names and different categories for killing we're cool with, killing we're not cool with, killing that makes sense to us, like gang violence. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. I've seen TV shows, gang violence. I understand that. I just stay away from gangs. Okay. And um, that's, that, you know, that's that's, another, that's killing you're familiar with. And you understand, but when it's an active shooter and people can't understand it, humans are very, very bad about things they can't understand because it forces them into grasping at why is this happening? And what most people grasp at with the active shooter phenomenon are guns and mental health. Yes. And the <laughs> argument that I make is, look, you can't, and the FBI says this, it's kind of, they're not being snarky. They just say it, it's obvious. They go, um, in an active shooter scenario, the weapon is obviously a gun. Okay. Right. That's that's why it's called active shooter and not active stabber or active blower upper. Okay. it's <laughs> That's yes. Okay. And for those people who are like super anti-gun, which I, I'm not necessarily anti-gun, I own guns I'm not, I don't really care about them as much as I used to, but I have a small collection, mm-hmm.
0: as do many
1: Americans. Right. But the point is, is that if I could push a button to make them all go away, I would do it. People would not be happy with me. But, you know, the thing is, there is no button like that. It wouldn't matter. Okay. And, you know, it, this is kind of one of the points is that, yes, this is something that the the point that i made about especially like the active shooter scenario where the, the reason it's it's a little bit different than other types of illegal killing is that it, looking at the motivators the antecedents um, does the person place value on their own life so the examples i like to give when we're talking about this and you know it's a little bit gruesome but you know as behavior analysts i think if we want to understand the broader context of societal problems you got to get down in the dirt And it's not very pleasant, but it has to be done if we're going to really make a reasonable contribution. You know, you kind of got to break down a little bit. But as an example, the gang member. The gang member has selective empathy, like most of us. For their own gang, they care if they get killed. Mm -hmm. Those are their brothers. For the gang member's own family, they care about their family. They have empathy for their family. They would be very upset if their family got killed. For the uh, for the opposite gang, no empathy. It's like war. All right. It's like countries at Our war.
0: Instinctual tribalism at play.
1: Yeah, whatever you would, whatever you would like to call it, it it's it's mm-hmm. that same kind of thing. It is nothing new. It is right. war on a small scale in mm-hmm. a city over different things, right? Yeah. But it's organized. There are groups and there are you know there are colors and there are, there are territories and it is very warlike right mm-hmm. but my point is people understand this kind but of the but what I'm saying is gang members are not the same as somebody who's a terrorist that is uh they they don't have no empathy for giant groups of people they have no empathy for certain people very right. specific people right the hit man uh, and also the gang member none of the gang members want to die None of the gang members want to go to jail. They don't want to get caught. They don't want to get hurt. They want to live. They want to become successful in the gang. Okay. These are people that want to live. This is how they're living. Right. So the hitman, hitman wants to live. Hitman doesn't want notoriety. Okay. The hitman is motivated by money. Right. The hitman has selective empathy for their marks. Right. It doesn't mean the hitman has no empathy for other humans, right? The soldier, the soldier has selective empathy for the opposing force, right? It doesn't mean the soldier has no empathy for civilians. It doesn't mean the soldier doesn't feel bad when someone's killed, okay? But the soldier has selective empathy. They have to slightly devalue the life of the person they're fighting or they will die. It's the way it works. Okay, it's selective empathy. And by the way, most of us, unless you were like Mother Teresa, okay, most of us have selective empathy.
0: Right, it's a survival mechanism.
1: It it, it is a survival mechanism. And the further people are from us, generally, the less empathy. My neighborhood. I care about you. My town, I care about you. Somebody else's town, fuck you.
0: (laughs) Who the fuck are
1: you? (laughs) Another country? Oh, really, fuck you. Okay. So, and and usually the, the well, no, that's just kind of the way it works. It's like the closer you are to people, generally speaking, the more empathy you have. They're a friend of mine, I care. Well, they're not my friend, fuck them. Okay. So, (laughs) so, all the time. And it doesn't, again, it's adaptive. Mm-hmm. In a manner of speaking, um, but it can get out of control. And, and so what I'm saying is that in all crime and in all kinds of killing, there are various levels of empathy. As an example, uh, euthanasia. Yeah. That's weird because the empathy is way high. And that's what motivates them to assist the person in suicide. Right. right. Okay. It's not a lack of empathy. It's giant empathy.
0: Yeah, it's almost so like excessive empathy.
1: <laughs> that's a very but see that's a very different killing.
0: Mm-hmm. Right?
1: The jealous lover, not motivated by money, okay? This is a this is also a different kind of a killing with different consequences. Uh, jealous lovers usually don't want to be caught, okay? Or people who are doing these things. So, one of the factors when we're, when you're talking about all these kinds of crimes and things, I think one of the most important ones when it comes to active shooters, okay, is um, uh, one this lack of empathy that has generalized even to people that haven't wronged them, like like a very large percent of the active shooters, like I think seventy four percent in one of the survey had a specific link to the place they went back to. I was mad about. My job, I was if, if they were under 18, it was a school they're at or a school they used to go to. OK, um, uh, so that would be an, an example of that. So usually there is like this counter coercion element to the active shooter. So it's not it's not typically from the stats that I've seen from the FBI. It's not typically I'm just mad at the world and I want to go shoot up everyone. Now, some of them may be like that, but it's probably a smaller percentage. It looks like most of them are tied to physical locations, places people have been where they have connections, okay? And usually when it's happening like that, like a workplace shooting where somebody comes back to the place of work and shoots up the entire place, that's typically a counter-coercion kind of a thing. That's usually something that has happened over a long time and the person has felt coerced Right, um, so that there is that element there, but I think that the element that the other um, that the other types of things don't have, the other types of killings like gang-related violence and the hitman and the robbery and stuff like that, is those individuals still value their lives, although they're willing to take risks with their lives. Right, mm-hmm. so a gang member to go do a drive-by, people might shoot back. You're taking a risk. Yeah. So you might say that that person values their life slightly less because they are willing to take these risks, okay? That that maybe they don't value it less, but let's just put it this way. They're willing to engage in what might be life-threatening behavior.
0: For the greater good of their their, their pride the or their good. group or whoever, yeah. sure.
1: Like a soldier in, in in an army is also, they also know, That they are engaging in. Now they don't want to die. They don't want to devalue their own lives, but they do know that they're engaging in behavior that puts them at risk of dying.
0: So so, someone like a suicide bomber, where would they fall in Uh, in this? They
1: they would fall under where they have actually um, for for like a suicide bomber. They have no reason to live anymore, and they have every reason to die, and and this is the way they want to do it. So if it's something like a terrorist organization, right. Those are usually individuals, the kind of individuals they get are individuals that don't have a great life. Mm-hmm. Uh you know who's like not a suicide bomber? Billionaires. You know who's not active shooter? Billionaires, millionaires, yeah. people who have everything to lose. And which yeah. is another thing about the active shooter. The active shooter if okay about I think out of about um 60 cases they studied. I think about uh, 11 of them killed themselves, which is quite frequent. Like by the time the cop gets there, they kill themselves. So, is everyone who does active shooter, uh, who is an active shooter, is every one of them suicidal? No, Uh, that it doesn't look like that. But I would say this: I would say that they all are doing a significant devaluing of their own life because of the incredible risk they expose themselves to when they engage in active shooting. Because if you're an active shooter, law enforcement will eventually get there. Mm -hmm. They may or may not take you alive. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Sometimes in rare instances, people flee. And in rare instances, it looks like people have escape plans or something. But in most cases, either people are planning to die or willing to die. So even if they're not planning to die, yeah. Even though many of these individuals have some kind of mental illness, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they don't understand what's happening, and it doesn't mean that they don't understand that they could be killed. These are not people who are insane. Okay. Yeah. These are people who plan, who make statements. Okay. And they they uh, they plan and they prepare and they do all these kinds of things. They understand what the risks are. Um, most of them do not wear body armor. That was one Mm -hmm. thing I found unusual there was one that did. And I think many of them are because they're planning to kill themselves. Maybe they don't want body armor. Uh, But one of the points is that these individuals, as far as reasons to live, having something to live for, I think what all the active shooters have in common, they don't have a lot to live for.
0: Very minimal. Yeah.
1: Very minimal because you don't have much to lose. And it's like, um, now the thing is, The hitman they don't want to die they have a lot to lose this is how they make their living this is their life of crime right right the active shooter is not the hitman the active shooter is not the gang member right the active shooter is functionally more like the terrorist the terrorist who decides to be the suicide bomber they've already given up their life they already know this yeah right yeah the active shooters i'm sure many of them know this too many of them know i think they all know they all know they could be killed
0: I think you'd have to anticipate that going in, right? I mean, it's all, that would almost be like suicide by cop. You have to be so
1: severely psychotic to not understand you're putting yourself at risk. I don't even think you could put the whole thing together.
0: I I think it's safe to say,
1: I think it's safe to say that the individuals who plan this either plan to die or they know that there's a high probability they will die. Okay. and Either way you have people devaluing their lives. And so what, what I'm saying is I can't predict who's going to be an active shooter, but I can give you a perfect cocktail. And that is this. One, you have a motivator for violence, which anybody who shoots anybody has an MO. OK, Any, any anybody. Right. So that's there. What are they? Various. You got fired. Uh, um, stressors. Also, a lot of them for the shooters, 50 percent financial stress. Another 60, like uh, for like 60% of them, mental health problems Uh, for like 30% of them, marital problems. So these individuals had significant stressors, right? Significant motivation, access to firearms. You can't be an active shooter without access to firearms, right? Right. They also have selective empathy or basically none. Okay. Individuals that fire into a crowd at a shopping mall where they, where they didn't work. That would be even the lowest empathy. You're not even mad at any one of those people. You just want to kill people indiscriminately. Right. Um, and most of them are not like that. Most of them are a bit more, are, are more focused and more retaliatory, counter-coercive in, um, in nature. But So you got your motivator, you got your low empathy for others, which you need. And then the third factor is what I call neutralized aversives. What does that mean? It means because of the quality of your life, the stressors you're being exposed to, the lack of reinforcers, the lack of support, the lack of connection to humanity. Because of all these things, many things that are very aversive to us—imprisonment, fines, public humiliation—not
0: mm-hmm. aversive. Not aversive. Yeah. When
1: when things are no longer aversive to you. It's like every revenge movie you've ever heard the trailer for. They killed his family. They shot his dog. He has nothing to live for. And A man with nothing to live for is a dangerous man. That is, Mr. Movie guy. That is very true.
0: Yeah. So cocktail.
1: Yes. It is a cocktail for this. When people who have nothing to live for can become very dangerous. And in fact, Instead of looking at mental illness as that's the risk factor, um, I don't have the reference in front of me. I've got it in my presentation, but one individual said, look, that's not a useful concept that you're mentally ill. Here's a useful concept, dangerousness. Mm. Some people have the potential to be far more dangerous than others, okay? And because of their strength, because of their empathy levels, because of their knowledge of firearms- Right. All those things together would make them more dangerous than someone else, regardless of mental illness, like a trained Navy SEAL. A trained Navy SEAL is a very potentially a very dangerous person. Now, if they're under control, that that's that's fine. But if they have a breakdown, they're extremely dangerous. Yeah. All right. Let's say that they get depression, which is a mental illness. If the average person gets depression, it doesn't automatically make them more dangerous. If somebody gets depressed or agitated or has another problem and they have a set of killing skills, it makes them way more dangerous because now they have all these skills for killing people and they're unstable.
0: So I don't want to say it negates the argument that we hear very often about how if if we had a better healthcare system to more adequately treat people with mental illness, nope. we would see a decrease. Nope. So you're saying nope. no, it's okay?
1: Here's why: yeah. most people with mental illness are not extremely violent or yeah, it's dangerous. Still,
0: a really small percentage of people they
1: just are not. And yeah. so the thing is, mental illness alone cannot produce active shooters. It, it, there's just no way. There's no way that, not by itself, okay? You have to have this low empathy and you also have to have the access to firearms. You have to have other influences, right? You have to have low value on your own life, okay? Uh, and big motivation in some instances for vengeance, okay? Uh, so it's it's kind of all these things. Other things that would be... Um, so as an example, some neutralized aversives. Um, you're not worried about breaking the law. That's one big one. John Oliver, the comedian, said that, um, he goes, oh, I think one of the great, you know, like um, a deterrence to murder are the laws against murder, okay? <laughs> which murder. Um, okay. <laughs> Point taken, you know? And well, that's what, it, that's what it is. But the thing is, the way laws work, there's three groups of people regarding any law. People who would abide by it, whether they knew it or not, right. like murder. Most people I know don't murder simply because there's a law against it. <laughs> okay. That's the only reason. <laughs> That's the only thing keeping them in check. Okay. There are three groups of people. So let me back up. And by the way, this works for any law. It doesn't matter. The right. people who will be, be in line with the law anyway because the line is in law with their personal values. Two, people sitting on the fence and thank God there's a law against it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they're they're thinking about it. And the only thing holding them back is that pesky law against murder.
0: Yeah, okay. no jail time, for me.
1: <laughs> then there's the third group who's busy uh, murdering. So basically when your life loses meaning, you have nothing to lose, l- live for, you're not worried about losing those things. Meaning you, you might not be worried about imprisonment. You might not be worried about all the other things that happen. And that causes other problems because these things are, create other problems. So they have ripples. So when you don't value your own life or things are going so horribly, right? All these other things go wacky, right? Yeah. And so um, I'll talk more about that later if we have time when we talk about how do we, how do we set people up so that they're less likely to, to become shooters, like, what, what can we do in schools and things like that? And if you want, we can talk about that a little bit later. But anyway, let's go into some of the things you brought up.
0: Yeah. So while we're on the topic of uh, you know trying to be proactive in terms of keeping people from becoming shooters eventually, there has right. been a longstanding debate about children playing violent video games and that influencing later violent behavior.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's a bunch of nonsense. I right. think it has least to do with it, and I think it. This is what it has the most to do with: lacking empathy.
0: Yeah.
1: My two kids and I, when they were very young, my step my step and I, we all love video games. They mm-hmm. play the most violent video games, yeah, and they are Auto. The, <laughs> they are the least violent individuals. Right. Um, and the thing is, when people say like. Oh, that just sets them up and it teaches them how to shoot. It does not teach you how to
0: shoot. Not at all. Because the it same can not- be said that about anything it that you're exposed to as a kid.
1: It does not prepare you for war. It does not desensitize you to these things. And here's how I know this. Because if all that were true, mm-hmm. the military, would all they do is they put guys on the Xbox.
0: Right. And they have them
1: kill fake things. Mm-hmm. And then they desensitized and then they sure. could go to war and never because get PTSD <laughs> they don't care anymore because the video right. games took care of it I'm sorry it doesn't work that way here's the other thing, when we're talking about and we're asking questions like how can someone become an active shooter wrong question everybody asks that question, not the wrong question, but there are other questions to ask that are also helpful and those questions are why don't we all do it What's stopping? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is, okay, let me give you an example. They did an analysis of these planes, that planes were getting shot down in the war, like in World War II. And when the planes came back, they had, uh, for the ones that made it back, they had bullet holes in them. So they said, damn, look at the places you're getting shot. We need to strengthen these planes. And what they were going to do is they were going to put extra plating wherever they saw the bullet holes And then another analyst looked at it and said, I think you're looking at this wrong. The ones who came back, they made it back because of where they got shot. You need to put extra metal plating everywhere there wasn't bullet holes. Yeah. Yeah, Really good point. They they made it back where they got shot. They got Mm -hmm. shot in the tail. and They got shot in the belly of the plane and they got shot there and they got shot in the wing and they made it back. You need to strengthen the other places. And so this is a lot like this kind of an argument here. It's, it's how do we, how do we figure out why these people are doing this? And I say, well, you, you, part of the answer to that is you look at, okay, as an example, I have guns. I have lots of guns. Okay. Um, I get mad. I've had disagreements with people at work. Mm -hmm. I've had relationships gone bad. I've had people I was angry at. I was bullied in school. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Even all these things were true. And even though at the time I was bullied in school, I didn't have access to guns. I wasn't the kind of a kid that would have done that. I just would have got bullied. And the reason was I was a very empathetic kid. Yeah. I was not a very aggressive kid. I was the one that got picked on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, again, uh, so these, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought for just uh, one moment. The uh, um, the empathy is a big factor. And the playing the video games, it does not cause the average person to do this. Now, here's what right. I would say. They're getting things backward. There are children who already have low empathy.
0: They're at
1: risk. Uh, torture animals, mm-hmm. think it's funny when someone is hurt, have a fascination with um, uh, gory videos, those same people also love right. playing violent video games. Yeah. But see, the video game came later. Video games don't turn people into monsters. I'm sorry. It's just not that simple. And also, mm-hmm. if it were that simple, oh, my God, the mash, uh, the shooters
0: right.
1: would be happening every day.
0: So it, while we're on the topic of overly, well, I, maybe I shouldn't say overly simplified, but for lack of a better word, overly simplified solutions to these sorts of problems, a common solution we hear is, well, let's just ban guns that will take care of the active shooter problem, the mass shootings. And, and,
1: and so here's, here's the thing on that. Um, here's what we've got in our country, okay? Um, if you took every handgun in our country and rifle. Mm-hmm. About 360 million of them. I did the math. Uh, assuming that the average handgun is about five to six inches in length and the average rifle is about like, you know, two and a half feet. Um, I, pu- I just put all that together. OK, we have enough guns in our country. I just want you to visualize this. Forget the number. You literally could take all the well, way. You couldn't do it. But theoretically, if you lined up every gun in America end to end, they would go around the world.
0: Wow. Around the world. A lot of
1: firearms.
0: (laughs) It's a lot of
1: firearms. It's a lot of firearms.
0: Yeah.
1: Even if they magically could shut down every manufacturer of firearms in America tomorrow, Mm -hmm. there's still one firearm for every man, woman, and child in America. I mean, all the children don't get them. I'm just saying, number wise. So come here, three-year-old. You can have a twenty.
0: <laughs> you get a gun. Okay? You get a Glock. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So um, that's that is a problem we will be mired in for right ten generations. Uh, okay. They're not. How are you going to get rid of them? Okay. Right. okay? So it's it's not even like a government buyback program where there's like a pocket of guns somewhere and there's poverty yeah. and you can offer money and people trade their guns in. That's a reasonable thing, but 365 million firearms and that's yeah. a that's got to be an underestimate because that's what we know of.
0: Well, okay? Let's, okay, let's indulge this idea then. Let's just like the button you mentioned. Let's say that yep. you and me slam down the button. Poof, all guns. No it's still- Here's what's gonna happen. It still doesn't account, really quick though, it still doesn't account for the human tendency to engage in that group behavior and violent behavior.
1: Here's here's the problem. This is what firearms do.
0: Mm -hmm. Guns
1: don't cause people, cause people Mm -hmm. to to become an active shooter. Correct. Guns allow it. So Mm -hmm. what guns do, guns amplify this problem. The problem Mm -hmm. exists wanting... To kill others, devaluing one's own life, devaluing the lives of others—those mm-hmm. problems still exist. Right. Not wanting to live, not caring if you get arrested, having nothing to live for, having a, a heart filled with vengeance—all yeah. those have existed since the dawn of time. Okay, and they will continue to exist. And by the way, in other places, they knife people.
0: Right. Okay. They bomb people. They acid on them.
1: They bomb yeah. people. Uh, the the Boston Marathon bombing, pressure cooker. I was going to
0: bring that up, yeah. The point is, now here's what happens.
1: Guns lower the response cost for violence. Guns Mm -hmm. allow it to become depersonalized because you can do it from a distance. And I do think this, if there were no guns, this same problem would happen, but I think that the fatalities would be much lower. Now, here's the other thing. Even if, let's say they have banned and I and I would have no problem with this. I think they should be banned. Let's say that they banned large capacity magazines for mm. you know um, these assault style rifles. Okay, um, here's what would happen. First of all, they're all over the place right now, and right. they're all over the black market, mm-hmm. and they're not that hard to get.
0: You could print them with you know, a 3D printer now.
1: With a 3D printer, people could make their own. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, magically. Yeah. No one has a clip larger than seven bullets. Let's just say this. Let's just say we were able to do it. It was a miracle, but everyone who has guns, no one has a clip larger than seven. What would happen? People are going to bring backpacks full of clips. Yep. Okay. This is the first thing people will do. It will take them a second to reload, but the way these shootings have gone, this is not like a John Wick movie. People have time to reload. Okay. Right, uh, and, and that is not going to be a problem for these individuals. And and so here's what the other thing that might happen. Let's say they could only get one gun with a clip of seven. You'd have the same fundamental problem and you'd have a lower fatality. Okay. Yeah. That's good. It's better to have less fatalities. It would be sure. better if somebody ran out of bullets and seven bullets because people could then rush them. Okay. Right. But again, people have extra clips. Passing gun legislation brings to some people – psychological piece it will not have an effect on the outcome i'm sorry i just don't think it it will i understand firearms i think i understand the problem fairly well and i understand how inventive people are and everybody else should understand that as well yeah the guns make a fundamental social problem and this fundamental social problem is me the active shooter i have been disconnected from society so badly I don't even care of the lives of the people I'm taking. This is not like what we'd call, nobody calls it this, a sensible murder. When they go, a senseless murder. What's a sensible murder? Somebody like stole your money and you shot him. Somebody (laughs) stole your gal and you shot him. Somebody screwed you over and you shot them. Um, This is, again, as old as time, right? And people understand that one. But this, this other one, this is more of like, kind of again, it's a reflection, I think. it's not just the guns but the guns make it so much worse. But I think the right. base problem is it's this disconnection from other humans that yeah. you all don't matter and, and and it may even be something like, look, my life is shit. Why is your life worth anything?
0: Mm-hmm. And there
1: may be something with that too. like what um, so there's a lot of problems caught up in it. by the way, it's not just suicidality. People who are only suicidal, they don't take other people with them, right? Okay? Right. And if you have high empathy, if mm-hmm. you have high empathy for others, it doesn't matter what else is present, Kayla. So let's say, let's say I'm the most empathetic person on the planet, mm-hmm. right? I could have firearms, I could get fired, I could have financial stress, I could, I could be depressed, right? And I might even consider suicide, but you know what? I won't do if I'm most, if I'm the most empathetic person. I won't take anybody with me.
0: Right, right. Because you would have there would there would be no motivation to what would be the reason for that if you had empathy Most for people? people
1: who commit suicide don't take anyone with them. Right. They're not they're not necessarily angry at other people. They don't want to lash out at other people. They simply want to escape. Right. This is a combination of things. This is maybe I do want to escape, but I also want to take others with me. This is a special thing. And, it, and I think that what it's really related to, if people want to look for a boogeyman or something to blame, please yeah. don't blame mental illness. Don't blame guns by themselves because guns don't create this particular social problem. They make this social problem far worse. more dangerous, mm-hmm. far worse. Instead of stabbing two people at your office place, you shoot and kill 14. Right. It's the same problem. It is amplified and it is made easier. Again, guns reduce response effort. You don't have to have tremendous skill. You don't have to have tremendous training, right? You don't have to be close to the victim. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be a good fighter. Right. The, uh, you know, uh, God created man, Smith and Wesson made them equal is the line that you'll hear uh, from gun <laughs> advocates, okay? No, well, this is this – is, this is uh has a lot of truth to it. The the, the sure. gun gives the person power. Now and there's a lot of I think that a lot of these people, my guess is also that plays into it as well, powerlessness. And and what I what I talk about is how effective are you in the environment? And again, like I talked about it yesterday with Trump, um, with uh, PTSD and protective factors. And one of the protective factors is your locus of control. Is it internal or external? Do you, do you feel that you are effective in your world? Yeah. Have you had a history of being effective? I do this and I accomplish it. I do this and I get friends. I do this and people like me. I do this and I got money. I did this and I made this thing. Is that your history or is your history one of everybody screwing you over and so again things like that become important and when people are thinking about how do i protect children against this i'm not it's not it's not keep them away from violent video games it's teach them what pat freiman tries to teach us and that is there are no bad boys or bad girls or bad men or bad women by extension okay yeah and if we teach them not to hate people who have done bad things and to understand them. This is the greatest hedge against this kind of thing that you love people because Mm -hmm. we all could have bad things happen to us. We all could suffer from mental illness. Mm -hmm. But if you basically love people and value people and you've had good experience with people, this is what protects us from doing these horrible, horrible things. Because everybody has the urge to strangle somebody, not literally, but everybody's right. been angry enough at people that you fantasize about smacking them or something.
0: This is human. This is human. From the you know? standpoint of protective factors and considering it's a human thing, why is. why is it so concentrated in America when compared to other countries?
1: Well, one thing is, it's our number of guns. So, uh, and uh, the the other one might be, and I think this is part of the, um, this is an idea that I had, and I actually wrote a letter to CNN. They never answered me, but the FBI has it on their page, and that is the "Don't Name Them" campaign.
0: Mm.
1: And the "Don't Name Them" campaign means to prevent motivation to would-be active shooters. You don't release the picture or the name of the person who did the active shooting. You know why? There's no reason we need to know it. We just maybe need to know what happened and why it happened. We don't need to know who it was. That doesn't help us be safer.
0: Yeah, that's a good
1: point. It doesn't help us be safer. When CNN says like, well, we want people to be informed. No one needs to know the name or the face of an active shooter. It will not make a single American safer. It won't. It will just make you, um, it's sensationalism and, it's, and it sells airtime and it sells newspapers and it's bullshit and people shouldn't be allowed to do it. Why? It can easily provide additional motivation to a would-be active shooter. They review what other people have done. They learn from the mistakes of other people and the reports that are written. Uh, criminals, this is still criminal behavior, even if mental health is involved. It's still criminal behavior and criminals learn from other criminals.
0: Well, and then, because now, with social media being so accessible, we're seeing some shooters, one was recent, I think, within the last couple of years, he live-streamed his shooting.
1: Yeah, yes. I mean, that's and so the, terrifying. so when we talk about this as behavior analysts, this behavior, um, if you think about um, a serial killer, their behavior gets reinforced and it happens again. For the active shooter, this is not a reinforcement phenomenon. This is front-loaded with motivation and stimulus control because they haven't killed anybody yet. So it's not, and and many of them don't plan to do it again because they they commit suicide. So this is one of those weird things, like a behavior that someone does with no history of reinforcement. Now, Mm -hmm. is there modeling from others? Yes. Is there motivation from seeing what others have done? I would say yes, right? For all those things, the active shooter phenomenon is front-loaded, not back-loaded. It's not the consequences of their behavior that cause this problem. It's the consequences of other people's behavior that has preceded them.
0: Which further speaks to the point that we talked about in the beginning, where there really is no law, no protective measure against this sort of phenomenon. Sadly, Nothing can stop it
1: from happening, you know? and. Nothing can stop anybody from randomly trying to kill anyone, whether you have handguns or not. People do it in other countries. In Japan, somebody did it with a sword. In another place, in Ireland, somebody did it with a knife. Yeah. And, and so it, 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 here's the thing. The consequences of their behavior are far less severe. And their behavior is far easier to manage. But even if it's motivated by the same things as what's happening in our country. So this human problem... I think, occurs everywhere. It's right. occurring more here because we choose guns, because we have them. Now, the thing is, it, it probably, I don't know what the frequency would be if there were no guns. It would be harder for people. They would have to, if they used knives or something like that, they would have to get close to people. That means combat. That means you'd be defeated by them. Yeah. So guns, again, lower the response cost so much that I think that, Possibly this is what's happening as well. People who wouldn't do it if they had to stab someone because somebody – this is kind of gruesome, I apologize, but somebody may not have the stomach for stabbing somebody up close. That's yeah. a very sure. – that is a very different attack very than personal. shooting down a hallway, okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and all the variables change. Everything's very different. It's, you know, it, it's not like a game, okay? It's not like hunting. This is person on person, right? Um, Likely, many people would rethink what they're going to do if they had to be in close contact with someone where they could be overtaken, right? The gun provides them, in a gunless environment, the gun provides them absolute power for that moment. Right. And a lot of people have appealed to that part of it. That is, a lot of these people, part of what they're doing is one last minute power grab for the powerless. And so those would be other factors to look at. Like does this, again, are we teaching children to be effective in their environment that they can produce meaningful change? Do they feel that they're victims of the environment can do nothing? Do they have no empathy for others? Do we actively teach them inadvertently to have selective empathy? I told you about that earlier. So
0: um,
1: if if someone throws a hairdryer in their husband's bathtub, They are they are guilty. They are guilty murder. of murder one. Okay, right. <laughs> if you're strapped to an electric chair when the current runs through you, that's capital punishment. Mm. Well, wait a second, it's all killing with electricity. One yeah. of them is socially sanctioned. One of them is not. They're both killing with electricity. Okay, and so what our government is telling us is that. Well, yeah, killing's bad if you guys do it. But if we do it, it's Justified. for everybody's own good. It's yeah. for everybody's own good. Or Castle Doctrine. Or it, take your pick. Uh, so yeah. again, we teach selective empathy and we do it inadvertently. Oh, that kid's terrible. You might say to your kid, mommy, he was, this kid was mean to me. Well, he's a nasty child.
0: Yeah. You're
1: teaching selective empathy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're teaching selective empathy. And yeah. so when you start teaching selective empathy, people can kind of take control of it. Oh, oh, some people don't matter. Some people don't matter. Some people matter way less, right? Yeah. So that's where I'd be focusing on because, you know, I'll say it again. Even if everything else is a perfect storm, you have handguns, you're angry. Somebody did you wrong. You have a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. If you have high empathy, no one's getting shot. Yeah. No one's getting shot. If you have – now let's let's look at this. What if you're a real asshole billionaire? Okay? What if you're a real asshole billionaire? Those don't exist. Okay. <laughs> let's say you have no empathy for others at all. Let's say you're a real dick and you have no sure. empathy for others at all. You too will not become a mass shooter. Why? Or an active shooter. Why? They, they have to live too much for. to lose. Yeah. You have too much to live for. You have too much to lose. You have no empathy, but you're protected. What are you protected by? You have too much shit to lose. You're an asshole with too much shit to lose. And because of that, you're not going to become an active shooter.
0: Yeah. So there's a few little saving grace things here that can... Uh, uh, can yeah, so from-
1: it's, you do need a little... I think you need a little bit of a perfect storm. Yes, the handguns are what make it so much worse and so much easier Again, yeah. response cost almost nothing. Yeah, and and that's what the handguns do worse than anything, I think. And that yeah. that's and that's what gives us the rates we have, I think.
0: Mm. Um,
1: but we may have societal problems that contribute to this above and beyond what happens in other countries, and those may be related to culture and social disconnect. And you know, every place is not like America, and uh, you know, uh, we're we're a newer country. It's multicultural and uh, and depending on where people live, like in large cities, there's a lot more disconnect than in a small rural town where everybody knows everybody or a village where there's support. If you live in a very large place, a very large city, like most of us do, there's a lot of disconnect. And so I, I, that might, may contribute as well because disconnect contributes to not having empathy for people. They don't matter. I'm not connected to anyone. You're all, you're all NPCs in a video game, so to speak, right? Yeah. yeah. But remember, that's not from playing video games. That's from not having empathy or yeah. very selective or very low levels across the board, right? That, I think, is what makes people the most dangerous, the low empathy and not much to live for access to weapons. Um, maybe you have access to message boards that encourage you and provide discriminative stimuli and motivational stimuli and provide role models. And uh, yeah, I think all that together is what we're, is what we're looking at. But again, it's not story. just guns. There are too many people with guns who will never kill anybody. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. Okay. Yeah. Too many okay? It's not just that. It's not just mental illness. There are too many people with mental illness that will never kill anybody. It is this confluence of variables, right? For single individuals that, you know, have have these kinds of problems. It's a very interesting thing to talk about there. By the way, those interested, I haven't looked at it a lot. I've been busy lately, but there's a Facebook group for behavior analysts specifically interested in these kinds of phenomena. And people like have graphs, they chart, they chart these things. And, uh, there's a pretty large group interested in it so if you're interested in it want to find out more um um, uh, i don't know exactly what the name of it is but there is a facebook group for behavior analysts about mass shootings
0: cool that's very cool yeah i'll i'll look into that i could see if i could tag the actual name of the group or the link into the show notes and meryl thank you for coming back
1: This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com.